You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Amen. You know, I believe that it is good to have plans. It's good to have vision, all of these things. But without a move of the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit empowering us, um, we're working hard in the flesh and not accomplishing too much in the Spirit. And so we always want to make sure that we're giving room to the Holy Spirit to do his work in our lives and in our church and in our community. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you shall, be, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, this message this morning, I'm going to talk about manifestations of a move of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of things that we could talk about. We could talk about tongues and, and uh, prophecy and all of these things, but I'm not going to touch on these things this morning. I'm going to touch on some very important practical things that happens in a church when Holy Spirit is allowed to move. And uh, Luke begins the book of Acts by saying that his first book, the Gospel of Luke, was an account of all that Jesus began to do and teach. And the book of Acts documents what Jesus continued to do and teach after he descended back into heaven after he was crucified. The Holy Spirit continues the ministry of Jesus in the earth today. Holy Spirit is doing the work in and through his people, the church. He continues the ministry of Jesus in the earth. The difference being that his ministry is no longer limited to one person. Jesus could only be effective in Jerusalem or Judea or some of the places around Galilee, uh, restricted to uh, where he could basically walk. The only time we hear of him ever walking or, or coming on a donkey was when he went in just before on Palm Sunday before where they all were rejoicing over him and and accepting him, the poor people were accepting him as king and saying Hosanna to the king. But um, apart from that, Jesus walked and his disciples walked everywhere. And so um, Jesus now continues his ministry through every believer by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, when we say accepting Jesus into your heart, Jesus comes into our heart 
by Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit dwells within us, within our spirit. And so the Lord invites us to experience the same empowering Holy Spirit baptism that was poured out upon the believers on the day of Pentecost. It's not a different spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit empowering us and enabling us to do the work that God intends the church to do. It is a life of faith and power as we are led by the Spirit and as we walk in the Spirit. Sometimes we find that hard to understand. But you know, when the Holy Spirit is within us, he communicates with our spirit. And so we can be led by the Spirit of God in everything that we say and do, all of our actions by the Holy Spirit, or we can be led by our human spirit, by our human mind, by our thinking, and by, uh, you know, like uh, analyzing stuff and all of that without being directed by the Holy Spirit. And so God wants us to be led by the Spirit rather than by our fleshly desires, the things that we think should be done. It's a life of faith. I heard somebody say that the Spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. And there's a truth to that. Jesus said, it's going to be better for you when I go away. He said, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. But if he comes, he'll be in you and he'll be with you and he'll teach you all things. And now all over the world today, thousands upon thousands of people are gathering in little groups like this, in smaller groups like this. And the Holy Spirit is working in their hearts And they're praying in the Spirit, and they're walking in the Spirit, and they're sharing their faith by the Spirit, and they're seeing results. Their family and friends and neighbors, loved ones, are coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. We rejoice in everything that God does. And the times we come in here, we sing those lovely songs, and we rejoice, and Praise God and raise our hands and clap our hands. All of these things. That's great. It's just a, it's a manifestation of, of what God is doing in our hearts and what we're sensing in our spirits. But whether you do any of that or not, the power of the Holy Spirit has been given for us to be witnesses. That's what Jesus said. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Now, to be a witness is not just quoting scripture at somebody. It's not telling them how bad they are and they need to get saved. It's also living the life living a Christian life in front of your friends and your neighbors and your co-workers. They need to see that there's something different about me 
than most of the people around them. Because I've got a relationship with Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit dwells within me. I don't have to tell them Holy Spirit dwells in me. That's going to make them think that you're cuckoo or something, you know? But you live the life. And sooner or later, they're going to want to know what makes you tick, what's different about you. And then you can share your life story, the story of how Jesus Christ became your Lord and Savior. In John 16, 7, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, or the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And in John 14, verse 15 and to 18 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray to Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. Now he's talking about himself right here as well. He says, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's when he would send the Spirit back after he had went into heaven. The Holy Spirit, he said, will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So when we say we want more of Jesus, more of the Holy Spirit, we mean more of the Spirit's power, more of his moving and leading and directing us, more of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That's what we're talking about. When Holy Spirit comes in, when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you can't have more of him. He's all of you. He's all of him is in you. The rest of it has to be released as you obey the Holy Spirit and obey the word of God and, and seek him to be filled with this mighty baptismal power that he's talking about. So the first manifestation that I want to talk to you about this morning is unity. It is very important that every church body, every congregation, be in unity. The Bible calls it one accord as well. The Bible introduces us to the Holy Spirit at the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, the Holy Spirit of God was hovering or moving over the surface of the waters. You'll remember when, when the Bible talks about creation, it says, and God said, let us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was present at creation. In agreement, let us make man after our own image. And so, in Acts chapter 1, Verse 14, 
we see that Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God moves where there is unity. It says, verse 14 of Acts chapter 1, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In verse, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and as one sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, God do not move where there's division and strife and murmuring, fighting, and complaining. When you get a group of people, whether it's a congregation or whether it's a family, when that kind of stuff is going on, God cannot move. There has to be unity for Holy Spirit to move. A congregation would do well to pray for such situations rather than to take up offenses. When you hear somebody or when somebody speaks to you in a negative tone concerning someone in the church, one of your brothers or sisters in Christ, the leadership of the church, the pastors, you should not take up that offense. You should suggest that we would pray for that situation. Now, there is nobody that's walking on water here. Certainly not me. We all are able to make mistakes and some real blunders. But we are all a part of the family of God, and we've got to stick together. We shouldn't be kicking one another when they're down. Unless you're walking in that person's shoes, you don't know what they've been going through. And rather than condemning them when, they, when they're starting to uh, speak out against things or being critical of things, Pray for them. Ask God to strengthen them and to, and to give them revelation as to who they are and what God can do in their lives. And always to remember that this is the church of Jesus Christ. It's not my church. We are a part of this group of people, but it's God's church. The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. God will not, one thing you need to remember is that God will not allow such things to go on for long. When you see a stirring within the congregation, God is not going to allow that to go on for long. 
He's going to work something out. That either that person that has been uh, negative about the church will find another place to worship, or they will have a change of heart. They will have a God experience where they will become different. They'll become loving and kind and compassionate again. So we always need to remember that. He has a way of removing a problem, but he gives everyone, every one of us, a period of grace, a time to repent, so that we can restore unity to his body. God inhabits the praises of his people, not the grumbling of his people, the praises of his people. The word unity means to get your minds together, be in one accord. Whatever, wherever you find successful marriages, successful relationships, cell groups, prayer groups, Bible study groups, church congregations, you will always find unity. Nothing works where there is disunity. God wants us to be in one accord. We need each other. Isolation is not God's plan for his church. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So you see, nothing has changed over the years. Right in the early church, they were having to They were having to exhort the people about not staying home, but to come, to come to the place of worship, gather together, and worship the Lord. Amen? Spirit of God moves upon the body of Christ. Holy Spirit moves upon those who are gathered together in Jesus' name to worship him. Amen? It's a fallacy to believe that God moves at home the same way that he moves in the church. What I'm meaning about that, oh, I, I don't need a church. I'll, I'm going to stay home. I'll watch uh, my favorite evangelist on TV, and I'll have my little service there. You're shutting yourself off from the body of Christ, and the devil's, devil's idea is to... Divide and conquer. We can't do anything on ourselves. But when we're all together and working together, that's when we can get some things done for the Lord. It didn't happen uh, then, and it won't happen today as well. Now, of course, this don't apply to uh, uh, like a, a house church uh, as the beginnings of a, of a church plant. Usually church plant starts with a few people gathering together for a Bible study and prayer. And then from that, 
it grows from the house to a, a storefront and go on until you become a, a larger church. Um, unless, but there is a case where, uh, let's say, I'm a member of the congregation and I don't like the way things are being run. And so I start spreading rumors about the church and about, about the pastor and about, about the, the leadership. And so I suggest that, okay, let's start another church. That is not, that, that don't have God's blessing on it. Now, if you were to come to the leadership of the church and say, you know, like, I really, I really feel that God is leading me to begin another work in a certain place. And I would, I would love to have the church's blessing. I want you guys to pray about it and see where can God use me. And we may be able to say, okay, maybe we can start a satellite church somewhere. But it has to be done in, in unity. That's the way God moves. You can think that you're having a great time, you've got 30 or 40 people, and you're all worshiping God, and you're just, you're just going crazy for the Lord. But after a while, it just fizzes out because it wasn't born of God. So that's the part on unity. Now, the next thing is desire. Holy Spirit moves where there are people who pursue him for the power through prayer. In Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I guess we need to ask ourselves, do I really want what God is offering here? Is that my desire? Do I care enough about the salvation of others to want to be an effective witness? Or am I my little family, us four, no more? As long as we get to heaven, doesn't matter about anyone else. Is evangelism important to me? Am I praying and reading my Bible more or less? An honest answer to these questions can, can tell us as an individual about our spiritual health. If I desire to serve the Lord, then I desire to be a witness. If I have been set free from the hole that sin and Satan had upon my life, then I want others to know about it. I want people who I see that are struggling with alcohol and drugs and other things. You can be set free of that. Jesus did this for me, and he can do it for you. But I tell you what happens in churches so often. 
When we are first born again, we want to share our faith. We are good witnesses. But we come to church and we settle into church and we look around. Oh, wow. No one else doing this. I'm sticking out here like a sore thumb. I'll be like those people are. And we settle in and before we know it, oh, I've been saved for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. I haven't witnessed for years. But I've come to church every Sunday. I pay my tithes. I give my offerings. I'll do whatever they ask me to do. But I don't witness. Now we know that witnessing is more than just speaking with your mouth. You can say a lot of good things with your mouth, but your, if your actions don't back it up, doesn't mean anything. But it's just not right to keep the good news to myself. The Great Commission is the mission of Christ. Holy Spirit is given to us so that we will have power, or that word power also means ability. For what? To witness. That's the thing that the church needs to be doing, is witnessing, sharing the faith. There's no excuse for not doing so. The true church of Jesus Christ is a witnessing church. And of course, we help the church to be a witnessing church by our giving. Someone has said that if every church tithe, the church would have plenty of resources to do a good work in every community. The people are using their spiritual gifts to reach and bless others. The people are providing resources and using resources to extend the kingdom. And our desire is that souls would be saved. We also desire that new believers would be discipled and encouraged in the faith. So the next one is presence. The presence of the Lord. Did you sense the presence of the Lord since you've been in this room this morning? I did. When we were singing those songs, the sweet presence of the Lord. I love it when the power of God is manifested in the church. When we get reports of the sick being healed, an addict set free, answers to prayer, relationships restored, financial blessings, and on and on. I love these things. But more than anything, I want the presence of God in my life. And that's not just on Sunday morning. We can have the presence of God every day, all the time. We should practice his presence to the point that when you're driving along in the car and someone 
passes you or someone sees you and your mouth is going. And there's nobody else in that car. That guy's talking to himself. No. You're talking to Jesus. You're having a conversation with him as you're driving to the grocery store. That's the presence of God. When you can just, out of the blue, say nothing more than, Jesus, thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my children. I thank you for my health. Oh, there's so much to thank him for. And he's just right there. He's not just beside you. He's in you. I'm not just talking about the manifestations. I'm talking about that close relationship. When I crave and desire and hunger for the presence of God, that's when I'll experience a fresh move of God's spirit in my life. You go weeks and weeks and into months not talking to him, not reading your Bible so he's not talking back to you. If you don't read your Bible and you're hearing voices, it's probably not God's voice. <laughs> it's a supernatural awareness that God is in me and he's with me. God the Holy Spirit moves in those who want the supernatural in their lives. On the day of Pentecost, they were so saturated with the Holy Spirit that they appeared to be drunk. God manifests his presence with the sound of a, a mighty rushing wind, the Bible says. But don't dictate how God is going to move in you, in your life. He still speaks in that still, small voice. God is just as powerful in the stillness of a moment as he is in the hype of a moment. Don't condemn either. Say, Lord, however you want to move upon my life today, I receive it. If it's a spirit of laughter that comes over me, I'll laugh my head off. If it's a spirit of weeping, I'll weep till I can't weep anymore. I'll rejoice. I'll dance. I'll wave my arms. I'll do whatever I feel prompted to do in your presence. As Holy Spirit moves here today, will you allow his sweet presence to just blow upon you? It may not be the mighty rushing wind. It could be 
that still small voice speaking to your heart, giving you revelation of where you are at in your life right now and what God wants to do. Allow him to breathe something supernatural into your life. He wants to create something new in your life. He wants you and I to be effective in our witnessing for him. Spirit of God also moves in conviction. A manifestation of the Holy Spirit is when people want God to forgive them. Acts 2, 37-39 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children, to all who are far off, and as many as the Lord our God will call. Verses 41 to 43 of Acts chapter 2 said, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the breaking of bread in prayer and fear came upon all, every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And verse 46 to 47 says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. There was a a, a beautiful fellowship that was going on in the early church that we would do well to begin again. I wonder what would happen if this year we would say, call up a couple of friends and say, listen guys, I'd like to have a a little prayer meeting in my home. Would you like to come and join me? Maybe we'll have a cup of tea and a piece of pie. (laughs) But let's just get down to doing some real praying for our our church family, for, for our community. We could have 10 or 12 or 15 prayer groups going on like that in the homes during the week. Maybe you invite someone over for a game of aggravation (laughs) or crib or checkers and say, listen, before we start, Let's just have a time of prayer. Maybe you won't get around to the game at all that night. Maybe you will. But making prayer a priority. As Pastor Mark talked about last time he preached. 
We can have the presence of God in our lives in a more effective way than we've ever had before. Finally, filling. I, we're going to be long today, aren't we? And I'm slow. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching more than preaching today, right? The Bible instructs us to be filled with the Spirit rather than alcohol. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It's sinful to get drunk. Drunkenness will ruin your life. An excess amount of alcohol makes you do things that you would not otherwise do. It takes control of you, and we should never let anything control us other than the Holy Spirit. If we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, we would be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And this is the only way to live a Spirit-filled life. He gives us power and ability and authority to do His will. If you feel that you need more of the Holy Spirit working in your life, then reach out to God in prayer. That's, the, that's where you start. Lord, I need more of you. If you feel trapped in some sin, I want you to know that he wants to set you free. If you feel weak in faith, he has the spiritual power for you to make you strong. Does God seem distant to you? He sent his Holy Spirit to be in you. You can't get any closer than that. Amen? And some of you are born again. The Holy Spirit is in you. But you're not acknowledging it. You're saying, I'm all alone. Nobody cares. Jesus is with you. Jesus is in you, and he cares. Maybe you're here today, and you don't know God. You've never invited Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior. That's why he died. He died for you. He rose from the dead for you. He ascended into heaven for you. He's coming back, and he wants to come back for you. But you know as well as I do that you're being drawn to him right now by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says no one can come to the Father except to be drawn. Holy Spirit draws people, even in a service like this. That dryness, that thirst that you have cannot be quenched with normal water. You need a spiritual drink. Listen how Jesus explained it to the woman at the well of his day. Jesus asked the woman for a drink of water from Jacob's well. She questioned why 
he, a Jew, would ask a Samaritan for a drink. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said to her, John chapter 4, verses 10 to 14, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then would you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well to drink, and, and from it himself, as well as his sons and livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will be in him, will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. That's what Jesus offers to every one of us. That's salvation. We call that salvation, being saved, redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Hold on, I'm just about finished. Jesus expanded this in John chapter 7, explaining that he was referring to the Holy Spirit who would take up residence within everyone who would commit their lives to him. John chapter 7, verse 37 30, and 39 on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow. Another version says, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. So in conclusion, this is what you were waiting for a long time to hear. I hope you understand the role that Holy Spirit plays in the Christian life. You see, you can't have salvation, Jesus in your heart, without Holy Spirit. There's no way. The only way Jesus can come into your life, into your heart, it's through the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit baptism that releases spiritual gifts and gives you the power to witness. That's a different thing. That's another experience that he gives you. It is Holy Spirit who gives power and ability to witness for Jesus. It is Holy Spirit moving upon believers that brings healing and deliverance and miracles. In Jesus' name. So how can anyone in their right mind say or think that we don't need Holy Spirit? I understood that I needed him 55 years ago. And I still need him today. And so do you. Let Holy Spirit do his work in your life. It's a personal thing. 
But when everybody is doing it, it becomes a corporate thing. Let's be a body of believers who say, I'm going to depend upon Holy Spirit for the salvation of my household and for a renewal in the church and for salvation of souls in Coal Lake and the Lakeland area. Let's see what God will do. Lord bless you. I know I've been long this morning, but how could I do half of it? Amen. Lord bless you guys. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.